0: Darren Pritchett.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Budweiser's weekday sports beat a brand new day here on 960 AM WSBT or Tuesday, August the 16th of 2022, 18 days until number five, Notre Dame visits number two, Ohio State. At the horseshoe, we will have all the pregame coverage for you here on WSBT Radio leading up to our kickoff at 7 30 with the official Notre Dame football post-game show taking place after the ballgame. One-stop shopping, sports radio 960 WSBT. But Weekday Sports B, we will keep you company until 6:40. That's when the South Bend Cubs are on the air. Major showdown in the Midwest League, South Bend taking on Beloit. South Bend, one game in front of Beloit for first place in the Midwest League's Western Division. Tonight is game one of a six-game series, pregame 645, first pitch at 7.05. Budweiser's weekday sports beat is being brought to you by Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Baseball fans, this Bud's for you. By Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, serving our community while serving Michiana's most favorite pizza since 1978. By the Mishawaka Education Foundation. By Pet Refuge, urging you to adopt, don't shop where new beginnings, have happy endings. And the Food Bank of Northern Indiana, hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at FeedIndiana.org. Coming up on the program this evening, near the bottom of the hour, South Bend Cubs pitcher Cole Franklin will join the program, sixth round pick of the Chicago Cubs. In 2018, he has started 19 games for South Bend this year. We'll talk to Cole to help preview this huge series against Beloit. We've got our Twitter question of the day coming up in just a little bit. Also on the program tonight. We have the head coach of the Mishawaka Cayman football team, Keith Kinder. He's going to join the program right around 620, following, I'm sure, another spirited Mishawaka practice today. They open up at Mishawaka Marion Friday night. So Mishawaka head coach Keith Kinder will join me in about an hour and 10 minutes here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. We hope you're having a great Tuesday. Sit back and relax. We've got local sports talk coming your way on Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
0: The first pitch of the first pitch of the night, and we are ready for the first pitch. Of- Into the wind in of his first offering, just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed.
1: Well, our first pitch tonight begins with this. A key to the Irish class of 2023 could be rolling with the tide. Well, Mike Singer, the Notre Dame football recruiting insider for Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Part of our Sportsbeat family the last couple of years. Normally he joins me on Tuesday. He's on the road today, so he's going to join me probably on Thursday's program to talk more Notre Dame football recruiting, but I can tell you this. The guy that is considered the best player in Notre Dame's class of 2023, and one of the premier prospects in the entire country for that class, has been committed to Notre Dame for a good while. He's made five visits to South Bend. It's edge rusher from Tampa, Florida, Keon Keeley. But his eyes have been wandering the last month or so. He has made some other visits, including a trip we talked about a couple of weeks ago to Tuscaloosa, his second trip to go see Nick Saban and the Alabama Crimson Tide. I think we all knew this was going to be a tough keep for Notre Dame. Keon Keeley is a guy that everybody wants. The footwork, the power, I mean, this is the type of kid coming out of high school. You put on a poster and he's the poster child for what you want in an edge rusher. Could he stick with Notre Dame? Absolutely. He is still, as of right now, committed. Now some would argue when you go on another official visit, you're no longer committed. I don't know the rules. I honestly can't comment on that. All I know is he took another look at Alabama. And there's a sense that Alabama's going to be able to flip him. Again, hasn't happened yet. No guarantees, but I know Mike has mentioned a couple of times at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com, things are not looking good for the Irish with Keeley. In fact, he referenced Keeley and his commitment to Notre Dame as, quote, being on life support. End quote. That's a pretty bold statement. Now, hopefully, all of this is not reality, or maybe things change back in Notre Dame's direction. As we all know in this recruiting game, stick around. It's kind of like weather in the Midwest. Stay around long enough. It'll change and change quickly. But there is no doubt that there is a sense Keeley might flip. Right now, still committed to Notre Dame, but hey, let's don't sit here and lie. Notre Dame has an amazing portfolio for kids to look at. What you can get here is amazing. There are different amazing things that Alabama can provide for you. However long you're at Alabama, you're probably in the playoff every year. There's a good chance you're in the championship game with a heck of a shot to win a national championship and then move on to the NFL. Notre Dame's got the 40-year plan. 10 win seasons have become the norm around here, trying to get back to that national championship level. We'll see what he decides, but it is something to keep an eye on. As Keon Keely is still committed to the Fighting Irish, hopefully that remains true. We'll have to see because it sure seems like Alabama is making quite a push with the kid from Tampa. We'll get some more details from Mike coming up later this week here on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. How about another first pitch? Why not? Well, we found out recently Notre Dame is number five in the preseason college football coaches poll. And then yesterday, the Associated Press came out with their AP poll for the preseason. And the Fighting Irish, just like in the coaches eyes, number five in the country. At the end of the year, You're basically the last team out of the playoff in the college football playoff rankings if you're number five, but you're right there in the mix, and that's what Notre Dame wants to be going into November with at least a shot for the playoff. To be in really outstanding position, you got to beat Ohio State the first game. You lose that first one, then you have to be perfect just to have a chance to get back into this whole conversation. So Notre Dame's number five. Personally, I was a little surprised they were that high. Not saying they're not worthy, but based on patterns of voting, when voters aren't sure who your quarterback is or don't know enough about them, you'll get punished in the voting. Not this year with the AP and the coaches. Apparently, they're very comfortable with Tyler Buckner and the Irish are number five in the country. I think Marcus Freeman has a lot to do with that ranking as well. There is just such... An enormous positive buzz around Notre Dame football right now with the way Marcus Freeman has won the social media slash media game during the offseason. So once we get closer to the season, then we start getting into these conversations. Who's overrated? Who's underrated? Who's rated just about correctly? Well, Notre Dame is normally in the eye of the storm in these overrated conversations. It's kind of a tradition every year, it seems like. So we get to a segment on ESPN's show that is not enjoyable from my standpoint, and that is Get Up with Mike Greenberg. Well, Paul Feinbaum, Mr. SEC, was a guest, and, oh, yes, he was asked, Who's the most overrated team in the AP Top 10? I'll give you one guess. Who did he mention? Uh, You probably know already. Let's allow you to listen to Get Up earlier today as we get into the overrated discussion, this courtesy of ESPN. Paul Feinbaum, which team is too high? As we just saw the Top 10 and we saw the first rankings yesterday. Which team is ranked too high for your taste? It's, it's Notre Dame. They should not even be in the top 10, Greeny. This is an absolute joke, and it happens every year with the AP poll, which is about as worthless as preseason NFL football. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Notre Dame is going to get run in the first game of the season. I mean, they're going to get destroyed uh, at the big house. And then after
2: that, they have to go to North Carolina a couple weeks later, a team that will bounce back this year. They have Clemson on
1: this schedule, and they have SC. They'll be fortunate to go 9-3. and three. Laughable that they're in the top five or six. <laughs> well, let's keep in mind this. A few years ago when Brian Kelly was the head coach here in South Bend, Feinbaum loved to pick on... BK and the Irish. He's now with the family at LSU. I wonder now, being a part of the SEC and Paul being on the SEC network, if he and Brian are going to be buddy-buddy now. Amazing how that works. And let's also keep in mind, Paul has been an individual who has targeted over and over Michigan's Jim Harbaugh. He's got to be a little quieter with Jim. He made the playoff last year and beat Ohio State. So he's got to find somebody else to pick on. I guess Notre Dame is back. Now is that team? That's okay. That means you're kind of important if people pick you in these type of things. First off, Paul mentioned that Notre Dame's got to take on Ohio State at the Big House. Well, last time I checked, I don't think the game had been moved to Ann Arbor. (laughs) Now, we all know he knows where Ohio State plays. But come on, Paul, you seem a little overrated. If you're going to say that Notre Dame and Ohio State are playing at the Big House, that would be one heck of a story. Ah, We can't cut him any slack. Come on now. But let's take a look at what Paul was saying. Notre Dame's always ranked in the top 10. They're overrated. Well, I went back the last 10 years and found their preseason ranking and their final ranking. In the last 10 years, 2012 through 2021, the Irish finished with a better record in the postseason than the preseason five times. 2012, 17, 18, 20, and 21. They finished with a worse ranking in the postseason than the preseason four times. 2013, 14, 16, and 19. And one time they finished with the same exact ranking. And that was 2015. They were ranked number 11. So as we can see, Notre Dame is not as overrated as Paul is guessing because obviously he did not do his homework. How can a national broadcaster go on the air and not have his information correct? Notre Dame's not always overrated, Paul. By my research, five times in the last 10 years, their ranking in the postseason ended up better than their preseason ranking. I think that's okay. That's not too bad. In fact, you take a look at the last two years. If you want to talk about overrated, Notre Dame in 2021 in the preseason was ranked ninth. They finished eighth. 2020, they finished fourth in the polls after being sixth in the preseason. 2018, they were 12th. They finished fifth. So, you know what? Notre Dame has held up their end of the bargain pretty well over the last few years. So it's easy just to throw out those big comments that Notre Dame's always in the top 10. They're always overrated. You take a look at recent history. Notre Dame has been ranked in the top 10 in the preseason in 2021, 2020, and 2019. From 2012 to 2021, they were ranked in the top 10 three times. That's not being overrated in my particular opinion. Hey, Paul has the right to his opinion. I have the right to mine. You have the right to yours. But it's nice to have a little factual information to back up your comments. And I look forward to the matchup between Notre Dame and Ohio State at the Big House. That's going to be fantastic. I'm betting we can get really good seats for that game. I bet you we can get tickets really cheap for that game at the big house. Come on, Paul. I know it means more in the SEC, but come on, Paul. Got to be better than that. You got to be better. I mean, if you're an SEC team, based on that segment, I mean, you kind of feel like Vanderbilt, right? Or Missouri. We need you to be like Alabama Texas A&M, Auburn, Florida—the big boys of the SEC. But you got to get your facts right to be the Alabama of the broadcasting world. You're kind of Missouri today, in my opinion, or Missouri, depending on which part of the state you're from, of course. 5:24 is our time. Darren Pritchard with you, Budweiser's weekday sports beat. We're going to be joined by South Bend Cubs pitcher Cole Franklin coming up in our next segment. As the Cubs get set for a huge series against Beloit, right here on WSBT Radio.
0: You can listen to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat live or on demand with our free WSBT Radio app. Just search WSBT Radio in the App Store and Google Play. Now, back to local sports talk on Sports Beat with your host, Darren Pritchett.
1: It is 5.30 at Sports Radio 960 WSBT, Budweiser's Weekday sports beat brought to you by Budweiser, Barnabys of Mishawaka and Granger, the Mishawaka Education Foundation, Pet Refuge, and the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Well, at Four Winds Field in downtown South Bend, for the rest of the week, we have some Really good baseball coming your way as the South Bend Cubs will take on Beloit in a six-game series. And the series starts tonight right here on WSBT Radio. Pre-game coverage begins at 645. The first pitch is at 705. And South Bend starts tonight with a one-game lead over Beloit for first place in the Midwest League's Western Division. And whoever wins the second-half division title goes to the playoffs. The other is done for the year. So a very important series here in August as the minor league baseball season is winding down. And we've got, I guess we could call it Pennant Pursuit Baseball over the next week here in downtown South Bend. Rejoining the program, I think we talked to him right when... COVID was kind of canceling the baseball season on the minor league side a couple of years ago, and he is back with the South Bend Cubs. Back then, low A, now high A, of course, here in South Bend. Cole Franklin, South Bend Cub pitcher, joins me on Sports Radio 960 WSBT, Cole. It's Darren. Good to catch up with you once again. How are you?
3: I'm doing great. How are you? It's I'm good to be back on here.
1: Good to be back talking to you. Wow, that seems like a long time ago when we were yes, talking sir. COVID and no baseball. It's almost unimaginable. We went through that, but how did you get through that summer without baseball? What did you do?
3: Man, it was a lot of uh, a lot of good time spent with family. It was it was a struggle, you know, because uh, I still had to get uh, a certain amount of innings in, and so it was a lot of. Uh, Bullpens, we actually brought a portable bullpen beside my house and I would throw outside with uh, one of my buddies. (laughs) And uh, I was throwing bullpens, like, literally in the side of my house because I still had to get, you know, a, a certain amount of innings in. Wow.
1: That's resourceful. I like it. You know, so many people that cover the game, whether it be a broadcaster or a writer, they always talk about, for so many minor leaguers, it was a lost season. And I know, I guess, you can't look at it that way. you got to keep pushing forward and trying to reach your goals. But, I mean, honestly, how has that affected you and your development as a pitcher?
3: I mean, taking a year off, it's, it's honestly with any sport, though. I mean, you take a year off of, uh, of not playing the game that you love and like you were born to do and then trying to jump right back into it, like not having, you know, actual game in a year is is one of the toughest things to do is kind of get like thrown right back into the fire and so it's a it's a really big struggle for a lot of guys and a lot of guys is still like is still like you know lingering around because they missed a whole year so um it was it was unbelievably hard honestly as a player to try to try to stay locked in and you know and just without having a season
1: now if i'm a hitter i can take 200 swings a day i've got a batting tee i can have someone throw to me. I can go to a, a place that has a pitching machine. So you can get the rust off pretty quick as a hitter, but for a pitcher, Cole, I can't imagine it's that easy because you can only throw so many times a day or so many times during a week. You are so limited because of the value of your arm. I can't imagine how difficult it is to get that rust off.
3: Yes, sir. No, it's, like I said, it's unbelievable, especially because you can never like simulate you know, game-like experiences, especially as a pitcher. And then you know, bullpens, you can get a little bit more, but you're never going to get that. It's never going to do it justice. And mm. so it's it's, very, it's it was very tough.
1: Mm. Man, I feel for you guys. That is a tough, tough assignment. Cole Franklin, South Bend Cubs pitcher, joining me here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. So much of the game of baseball is about analytics. Normally we always talk about hitters and all the information they get this pitcher throws normally this pitch with this count there's a lot of information to process as a hitter how about for a pitcher when you guys have a meeting of the pitchers or maybe your meeting with the pitching coach on a day you start how much is analytics used at the minor league level
3: man honestly it, so last time I played it was 2019 and and now to see where it's at now it's Unbelievable. It's the biggest change I've ever seen like in, in like a little two year span. It's spin. that different really. It, it's a hundred percent different. I mean you have breakdowns of I mean, literally everything you can think of as as a pitcher, like needing, you know, information to be better uh, as a pitcher to the hitter. And so I mean honestly they there's swing ten- tendencies uh in, in certain counts, like their first pitch swing. I mean there's I can name I can sit here and name about fifty other things that you, you can <laughs> uh you can you can uh, go look at.
1: I know one of your fellow prospects, who is a hitter, I asked him about analytics a couple of years ago, and he told me, honestly, that he asked them to cut back on some of the information because it was almost causing him to think in the batter's box, which, you know, even as a pitcher, you can't do a whole lot. It's it's so much reaction. And with limited information, he got a whole lot better. Do you limit what they give you? How do you kind of handle the whole analytics that you're given?
3: Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I, I also I, I limit it a little bit just because the fact that when I when I go out there every six days, I don't want to be thinking about you know the analytics of this pitch, the analytics of that pitch. I want to go out. I, I want to go out and compete to my full potential and you know get down to what I what I know how to do. And so I feel like sometimes that can be like overpassed by the analytics stuff. But at the end of the day, like you're out there competing on the mound against these guys, trying to get them out. And the analytics stuff, I mean, doesn't really matter how good it is if you're getting shelled. So that's how, that's how I look at it
1: south bend cubs pitcher cole franklin my guest here on wsbt radio i know the last couple of years i broadcasted in south bend we started having these video cameras end up in the bullpen and bullpen sessions are videotaped and all the spin rates go back to chicago and they're analyzed i'm curious when you are videotaped in those type of sessions do you get the video to look at do you get information from the pitching coach on things that possibly were seen by the folks in Chicago
3: yes sir so there's an iPad right behind you as soon as we throw like a pitch it will immediately like be there at our disposal to see and uh see the movement see the velocity Hmm. see you know where our arm slot is on one pitch compared to another and so, I mean, there's, like I said, there's always useful stuff in the analytics stuff. I mean, I'm, I'm very thankful for it. Hmm. But, yeah, I mean, literally everything is right there at your disposal during your, your uh, bullpen sessions.
1: Okay, I don't want to give anything away in your pitching arsenal, so only go as far as you can. But I'm just curious, when you throw, is there a pitch or is there something you do that shows up that is better than anything else? Like, is there a spin rate on a pitch that, really catches the attention of you and your pitching coach?
3: Uh, Definitely the spin rate of the curveball. Okay. That's that's the biggest thing that kind of stands out to me and, uh, and, and the coaches. So I would say curveball is definitely the, the, the one that stands out.
1: I've heard about your curveball. I figured you were going to say that, but I, I thought I would ask the question anyway. Well, we're coming down the stretch on this 2022 minor league baseball season. You're back into a rhythm. You've had 19 starts under your belt. What are you hoping to accomplish individually to close out your season strong?
3: Honestly, just stay healthy this year. That's kind of the biggest thing for me, and just uh, make every start and you know give my team the best chance that uh, just to win a ball game. And so that's kind of what what I expect out of myself, and and what my teammates expect out of me. And so uh, I'm going to go out there and give it all, you know, my on my start day.
1: I know being a part of the 2019 South Bend Cubs team, they really got as a group into the playoff push and went on to win the championship the 2016 team they all dyed their hair blonde once they made the postseason so i know some teams really get into the postseason i know there was an opposing team a couple of years ago that didn't really care to be in the playoffs it wasn't a south bend cub team i'm wondering do you guys understand where you are in the standings and how important is this playoff push to your team
3: yes sir i mean it's the most important thing we think about right now you know losing is no fun at all at any level so i mean we obviously want to go out there every single day and win and uh, and be the best team you know in this in this uh, in this league and so that's that's kind of our goal and our goal and that's our focus down the long run.
1: Hmm. So tell me about this pitching staff. Point out a couple of guys that you're really intrigued by that you've seen pitch for this South Bend team this year. I know you could probably name everybody, but are there are a couple that intrigue you.
3: Oh man, uh, the number, the main one that stands out is always Daniel Plentia. I mean, mm-hmm. I've never seen somebody so throw so hard, you know, consistently as as <laughs> as, as he does, and uh, so I'd say him, DJ hers is unbelievable as well. Jordan Wicks has disgusting stuff. Uh, Luis Devers, uh, Porter Hodge. I mean, there's some guys that I mean, I, there's a bunch more I can name, but those guys really just stand out to me just because how how nasty they are and how and uh, you know how they they control the game
1: on the mound. I know we talked about this before, and I'm having a brain cramp, so I know you're going to be able to answer my question quickly. But when I went back and looked at your bio again, Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. There was a South Bend Silverhawk pitcher that was from Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. In fact, I think he was going to be Oklahoma's quarterback, but he went with baseball. Am I going down the right path?
3: Yes, sir. Yes. Are you talking about Archie Bradley?
1: That's it. Archie. Yes.
3: Yes, Yes, sir.
1: Do you know him at all?
3: Archie's like my older brother, honestly. Really? I, I grew up with Archie. Yes, sir wow yes sir so my, my dad's his agent and so I've known Archie since he was a freshman in high school
1: no kidding yes so sir how good of a football player would he have been at Oklahoma
3: man he was unbelievable when I watched <laughs> him play I mean I mean he's such a he was such a big dude too so I mean he's like I think he was like 6'4 like 225 coming out of high school too Whoa. and I was like man I was like this dude this dude could play in the NFL if he would like to
1: dual threat just a pocket guy
3: yeah yeah I would, I would say I would say more of a pocket guy he had a he had a cannon, but you know the athleticism was was there every now and then, but not as good as mine. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so were you a one sport guy or did you play multiple sports in high school?
3: uh in high school, I played travel basketball. I didn't play uh team bas- or high school basketball because it was kind of interfering with the days of baseball. Oh. I played football all the way up until my freshman year, but I went to the largest public school in Oklahoma, so it was kind of hard to do both. And you know, still be on the same schedule and make practices for baseball and stuff.
1: Tell me about Cole Franklin, the basketball player. If you played travel basketball, yeah, you had to have some game then.
3: Oh, yes, sir, man. What can I say? I felt like Tracy McGrady out there
1: sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so you're averaging about 30 a game then. I get it. I get it.
3: It's only because I'd shoot about 65 shots a game too.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you had a good travel coach that understood you needed your shots
3: then. Exactly. Yes,
1: sir. I I like that. I like that. Well, I know you've, with this COVID thing, a lot of you guys are maybe a level behind where you should be right now, and you've spent a good amount of time, in South Bend, but kind of just offer your thoughts on being a part of this South Bend community. I know being around the Midwest league, there are four or five ballparks that stand out above the rest and four Windsfield field for my money is, is one of the best in the Midwest league. What's it been like being a part of this community, the fans that you've been able to, you know, play in front of, and, and also maybe a couple of thoughts on the coaching staff you have here in South Bend. I've heard some good things about them.
3: Yes, sir. So, I mean, I love South Bend. I the the it's it's a different it's a different crowd, too. Like you have everyone bought in, the fans are bought in. They love you as a player. They love you as, you know, a competitor. And so anytime you go somewhere and you have that type of like backing, you know, in, in, as a fan base, and it's it's unbelievable, you know, it, the, it's that Cubs culture that you know they teach you about. Those diehard fans like even at this level, you know, is so good to have because you know that they're the reason that you want to go out there. You want to keep getting better. You want you want you want to perform for them you know at the end of the day you're a performer and so you want to perform for the fans as best as you can yeah. and uh man i love this community i love every single th- every every single thing about it honestly especially now the climate's getting better too so uh and then uh <laughs> at, at first at first i was like oh man it is freezing out here <laughs> but uh it, it got better for sure and then uh the coaching staff man i dj Jimenez is the me and him always crack jokes on each other we uh we bas- well this week it's funny that you brought that up because I told him that I'm gonna dress better every single day I come to the field than he will. Hmm. Oh, <laughs> and really? so uh, yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. And he thinks he can dress better for me than uh, than me for some reason. So uh, we're gonna have to I'll have to put that uh that out of his
1: head. Well, hey, you tell Brendan King that I need photos of some daily comparisons of you two. We need that on social media.
3: Yes, absolutely. We will. We will for sure. And, uh, and, you know, Rymel, Rymel was my manager in, uh, in, with sure. Eugene, uh, Eugene Emeralds in 2019. And, I, you know, uh, Lance is from Broken Arrow as well. So um, we kind of right. have that o- Oklahoma culture. And, uh, no, he, he's, he's been a great manager for us for sure. TC is an unbelievable pitching coach. You know, he, he, even the, the stuff you don't want to hear as an athlete but you need to hear, he will tell you. And so, I mean, that's what I love about him. You know, he's going to shoot you straight at the end of the day.
1: Are you a diehard Oklahoma fan?
3: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Boomer Sooner.
1: Okay. So let me ask you this. Now you can be honest. When you think of Notre Dame football, what's the first thing that comes to mind? <laughs>
3: <laughs> Terrible colors. Gold helmets. <laughs> Shiny gold helmets. That's the first thing that comes in my head.
1: Many people say it kind of looks like C-3PO.
3: Yeah, I, I'm not. I I can't get behind that, man. I'm not no. gonna lie. No, okay. I don't, I'm not a fan of the uniforms.
1: <laughs> okay. I tell you what, as a kid, I always couldn't figure out Oklahoma's helmet. I asked my dad, why is there a paper clip on the Oklahoma <laughs> helmet? So, see, I was I was slow to figure out what was going on there in Boomer Soonerland. Oh, that's
3: understandable. That's understandable. <laughs> not many people get it, I'll tell you that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, they do say the the team to your north, Nebraska, the the uh, in on their helmet stands for knowledge. Do you know that?
3: Yeah, well, that sounds about right. That sounds about right for being from Nebraska.
1: Yeah, Mark Haley from the South Bend, you know, hitting area down there, he went to Nebraska, and he told me that, that the N on their helmet stands for knowledge. So I think that that says a lot right there. (laughs) That's hilarious.
3: That's all you need to know about Nebraska, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) I like
1: your style. I like (laughs) your style. Well, Cole, as you kind of wrap up this season, you know, I hope it ends up very, very well for you. I hope you guys get to the postseason. And before I let you go, I got to ask you one more thing. It just popped into my head. I'd love to get your thoughts on this. There is the thought in the next year or two we're going to have automated umpires in Major League Baseball. As a pitcher, what are your thoughts on that?
3: I love it. I really? love it. Honestly, yes, sir. Yeah, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan. I, uh, I mean, I mean, just because at the end of the day, I mean. You know, the, you you remove that that human element, and which obviously the human's gonna have more errors than a, than a computer will. But I'll tell you, like, it's it's been it's it's super tough to honestly like to give like a legit straight answer on this one because it's like there's pros and cons to like both sides. I think I would like it more just because the fact that I think it was like if it clips the strike zone it's still a strike because I think they did it in fall league last year. And so mm-hmm. I think there's there's a if it clips the zone it's a strike and so I was like oh my gosh and you know if you get that you can just like pound one part of the zone and be getting strikes for it and so I mean but then again there's that part to where like as a as an actual umpire behind there it can be calling just a little bit off the black and then you can just keep paying that and they're going to give it to you so, I mean, there's, there's really pros and cons, too, but I think I would like it.
1: Would you be willing to argue with a computer, then?
3: <laughs> I, I mean, I would. I think I would. I think I'd argue with a tree, too.
1: <laughs> now, I did hear the other day on a Major League broadcast, there has been some talk with the velocity in the game that they would change the strike zone, they would make it wider – but they would bring the strike zone down lower because hitters are having trouble catching up with those fastballs you throw up in the zone so they would widen the zone but the high strike would go away what's your reaction to that oh, oh
3: man i don't know i i would i think that'd be okay because honestly like sometimes where you, where you want to pitch to a hitter up in the zone is a little bit out of the zone anyway mhm and i think I mean, I don't know if half of those pitches sometimes that they swing at are even like strikes in the zone, yeah. that they sometimes they chase, and so I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure. I can't give you. I can't give you a straight right. answer on that one for sure.
1: Well, if, once you get to that point and you face that zone, then you'll have a, a better answer. I, I think it's intriguing. That's for sure. I just, boy, if you start giving two, three inches off the outside corner, you're yeah. gonna love it. But we all know how difficult it is to hit. That would be, I think, a handful for major league players. And final question for you. Do you like the shift? Because how many times do you pitch the ball where you want it, and the ball goes through this sixty-foot-wide hole in the infield?
3: Yeah, I'm not a fan of the shift, honestly. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. Not. Not the biggest fan of that for sure. I'm with I you think, on that one. I, I think at the end of the day, I think it kind of. I mean, you you might have you know the occasional one or two ground balls that that work and play for it, but I think the other you know, you know, eight nine ground balls are going the the opposite direction where you know where they would normally be playing so I'm not the biggest fan of it.
1: I'm with you on that. Hey as we say goodbye to you for the fans here in South Bend coming out to the series when should they expect to see you pitch?
3: Uh, I start this Friday at 7.05.
1: Friday at 7.05 folks you heard him here on the radio how can you not be a fan right? (laughs) I mean this was a great interview Cole always good to catch up with you. Yes sir. Thank you so much for your time and Best of luck the rest of the year, and let's see if we can get another championship ring here in South Bend after that great run we had in 2019. Let's let's run it back here in 2022.
3: Yes, sir. I like the sound of that. Thank you guys so much for having me. All right. Thank you. Yes, sir.
1: South Bend Cubs pitcher Cole Franklin joining us from... Four wins field in downtown South Bend. You heard him. He's going to pitch on Friday at 7.05. And, of course, every game of the series can be heard on WSBT radio. And, again, South Bend leads Beloit by one game for the top spot in the Midwest League's Western Division. Game one of the six-game series is tonight. First pitch at 7.05. Our pregame coverage starts at 6.45 here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
0: This is the Budweiser's weekday Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
1: 553 at WSBT. I'm Darren Pritchett. This is our Twitter question of the day. Yesterday on my Twitter account at 960 Sportsbeat, we asked, with Notre Dame wide receiver Avery Davis lost for the season, which of these four players needs to come up big to fill the void? AT WIDE RECEIVER. YOUR FOUR CHOICES, Dion COLSEY, TOBIAS MERRIWEATHER, JADEN THOMAS OR BRADEN Lindsey. THE VOTES HAVE BEEN CAST, HERE ARE THE RESULTS. FOURTH PLACE IN THE VOTING IS SOPHOMORE WIDE RECEIVER, JADEN THOMAS. WHAT'S INTERESTING, THOMAS HAS COME ON STRONG IN FALL CAMP. HE'S PUSHING FOR A STARTING JOB RIGHT NOW. With the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame, one of three members of the Fighting Irish sophomore wide receiver class. The other two, Colsey and Stiles, made an impact last year. Thomas is trying to break through during his sophomore campaign. By the way, we did not have Lorenzo Stiles as one of the choices. He's an obvious starter. We're kind of looking for that guy that was a fringe starter that with this, New opportunity, unfortunately, due to the injury to Davis, that this player might be in best position to make that jump. So that's why Styles was not one of the four choices. So Thomas fourth in the voting at 13.3 percent, third in the voting at 14.3 percent is sophomore wide receiver Dion Colsey, four catches last year during his freshman season, PCL sprain. Holding him back a little bit here in the middle portion of August, but according to head coach Marcus Freeman, Colsey should be ready to go for the Ohio State game. So Colsey third in the voting at 14.3%. Second place in the voting, freshman Tobias Merriweather. Intriguing player coming out of the Pacific Northwest. Had some drops early, but also showed a lot of promise. And with the limited numbers at wide receiver, I don't think you can count out anybody, including a true freshman in Tobias Merriweather, second to the voting at 29.6%. And winning the vote, handily, 42.9%. Kind of the grandpa of the wide receiver group. He and Avery Davis, that being Braden Lindsay, the speedster, got a majority of the vote. I've said it several times, man, this would be great for the football team if he took a hold of this situation and ran with it. See what I did there? Lindsey running away, ran with it. It'd be a great story, great finish to his career, and the Ayers could use a big-time boost from one of these guys. And Lindsey with his ability to run that jet sweep, get that ball in his hand, any way possible, a big play could be waiting to happen. So, Braden Lindsey wins the vote as the player you believe needs to come up big to fill the void at wide receiver, and I would have voted the same way I would have gone with Braden Lindsey as well. So, thank you, thank you, thank you for voting. We wiped the slate clean, and here we go with a brand-new question on this Tuesday. Today, if you were a business owner and wanted to get involved in NIL, name, image, likeness, with a Notre Dame football player, Which of these four players would you choose? So you're looking for someone to be a spokesperson. Maybe on social media, they promote your product. You take a picture with the product and that player. Whatever the case may be, we're thinking NIL, who gives you the most bang for your buck? So again, which of these four would you choose? Here are the four choices. Quarterback, Tyler Buckner. Yeah, hey, quarterback at Notre Dame always has great value. How about a guy who could be a top 10 pick in the NFL draft and an All-American candidate at tight end, Michael Mayer. You got the guy that brings down the quarterback. Edge rusher, Isaiah Foskey. Could be a first-round pick as well. And the fourth choice, this is the wild card. I'm curious to see how this does because... They have a couple of deals amongst themselves already, including a barbecue place here in Mishawaka. And the fourth choice is the entire Fighting Irish offensive line. You get some big boys, all of them in the picture. So there you go, a lot of different ways to go here, all different shapes and sizes. If you're a business owner and you wanted to get involved in NIL with a Notre Dame football player, which of these four would you choose? Buckner, Mayer, Foskey or he stands heroes the offensive line looking forward to your vote you can vote right now on my twitter account at 960 sports beat coming up in about 20 minutes Mishawaka head football coach Keith Kinder joins the program much more to get to as Budweiser's weekday sports beat continues on your home of the fighting Irish sports radio 960 WSBT.
0: A Michiana tradition continues. Welcome to Budweiser's weekday sports beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
1: 610 on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. I'm Darren Pritchett. Coming up in 10 minutes, Mishawaka High School head football coach Keith Kinder joins the program. High school football in the state of Indiana gets started on Friday. We mentioned earlier in the program, Notre Dame's top recruit in the class of 2023, Keon Keeley, seems to be looking around at the current time. Mike Singer from Blue and Gold Illustrated referred to Keeley's commitment to Notre Dame as on life support, so obviously that catches your attention. We'll see if he ends up flipping to Alabama, Ohio State, somewhere else, but obviously Notre Dame has to think about if Keeley Decides to go somewhere else. What are they going to do? Need to add another edge rusher. Let's throw out a name, someone to keep an eye on. Jaden Moore is his name. And on August the 17th, which is tomorrow, he's going to announce where he's going to play college football. He recently got an offer from the University of Notre Dame. So normally when Notre Dame offers and then all of a sudden there's a commitment date, you connect the dots and there's a good chance he'll pick the Fighting hours. So, Jaden Moore could be a part of the class of 2023 on three consensus, has him as the 65th best edge rusher in the country. All right, got to get this segment in really quickly as we get to a little sports wagering talk. Money, money, money. Money, 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 money. Show me the money.
3: We go with Sizzler. We go
1: with All right, let's talk some sports wagering. Last night, we broke even. Let's get the bad out of the way and end with the good. Just like sometimes you want to get the bad news first, then the good news second. So, Astros and White Sox, I went to bed. The Strohs are up 2 nothing. I'm thinking Astros on the money line at... Minus 120 is looking awfully good. But then the White Sox got off the deck and they rallied to beat the Astros last night. Astros on the money line was not the right side of the equation as the Sox won 4-2, so we start with a loss. Padres and Marlins down in Miami. I took the Padres on the money line at 140. Great pitching matchup, Musgrove versus Alcantara. Alcantara, last few starts, Had taken a step back, given up four runs a couple of times in those starts. I'm thinking, well, maybe he's wearing down. He's thrown a ton of innings this year. He's thrown more innings than anybody else. Not a smart way of thinking. As the Padres were shut out by Alcantara and the Marlins, three to nothing. So off to an 0 2 start. We need to recover. Let's go with the Atlanta Braves. They were on the money line last night on my card against the Mets at minus 150. My guy Spencer Strider is on the mound against Carlos Carrasco. Braves on the money line was a good choice. It was not even close. Atlanta 13, the Metropolitans won. And the final suggestion from last night, Nationals and Cubbies. I went with the home underdog plus money. Nationals on the money line against the Cubs at plus 115, and that was a good choice. The Nats beat the Cubbies 5-4. So 2-2 last night, 11-12 for the month of August for the year, 99-83-1. The four suggestions for tonight, we'll start with the red-hot Philadelphia Phillies in Cincinnati to take on the Reds. Phillies minus one-and-a-half runs at minus 110. That's the direction I'll go. I'll take the Phillies. They didn't cover the run line last night. I'm going to say they get it done tonight. Phillies minus one-and-a-half runs against the Reds at minus 110. Suggestion number two, going right back to the Astros on the money line at the White Sox at minus 120. Man, this is fun. Justin Verlander versus Dylan Cease. Three starters in Major League Baseball have an ERA below two. Sandy Alcantara's won the other two square off at guaranteed rate field tonight. I hate to pull against Dylan Cease, but I'm going to go with Verlander and the Astros in this spot at minus 120. If you want to go with Cease and the Sox, you actually get that at plus money. It's an actually a, a very profitable pick if the White Sox can pull off the victory tonight, but I'm going to go Astros. Dodgers and Brewers from Milwaukee. This is just the third time all year the Dodgers have been an underdog. Dodgers at plus 105, mainly because it is one of the best pitchers for the Brewers, Brandon Woodruff, going up against Ryan Pepiot of the Dodgers. I'm going Dodgers. How can you not? They are as hot as anybody in baseball. I'll take the plus money and take a chance. Underdog for a third time this year. Dodgers on the money line at plus 105. I'm just hoping they out-hit the Brewers tonight, which actually is not that hard to do. Fourth and final suggestion for tonight, Braves and Mets down in Atlanta going right back to the Braves on the money line. Charlie Morton against Tejon Walker Walkerboy. Anything can happen in that pitching matchup, but I'm going to side with the Braves once again tonight on the money line. So we've got Phillies on the run line, Astros on the money line, Dodgers on the money line, Braves on the money line. We hit the underdog pick last night. Tigers in game two on the money line at the Guardians at plus 165. Yes, sir. That was a good win. Tigers won seven to five. So we're 22 and 21 with our underdog picks this year. Tonight, we're going with the St. Louis Cardinals minus one and a half runs against the Colorado Rockies parlayed with the Mariners on the money line at the Angels you combine those two this is a biggie plus 206 for Cardinals minus one and a half runs against the Rockies and the Mariners on the money line at the Angels at plus 206 that is my underdog pick for tonight good luck to you 617 is our time we're going to shift gears to a Different type of football, a little high school football. Keith Kinder and the Mishawaka Cabin ready to start a brand new season. They are ranked in the first polls as the AP poll in Class 5A has Maryville number one, Michigan City three, Valpo four, and Mishawaka number eight. Mishawaka's first opponent, Marion, is fourth in 3A. The top team in 3A is Indianapolis Chatard So we'll talk to Coach Kinder coming up next. As we continue on with Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on this Tuesday evening on Sports Radio 960 W.
0: You can listen to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat live or on demand with our free WSBT radio app. Just search WSBT Radio in the App Store and Google Play. Now, back to local sports talk on Sports Beat with your host, Darren Pritchett.
1: 621 at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Sportspeak continues on this Tuesday evening. Indiana high school football starts Friday night, including an outstanding early season non-conference matchup. Two teams that are ranked in the preseason polls, the Mishawaka Marion Knights and the Mishawaka Cavemen. And the head coach, of mishawaka high school keith kinder joins me on the program keith five years at mishawaka 35 and 13 and he was a pretty good quarterback back in the day a part of back-to-back state championship teams at Jimtown high school more than a part of he was the the starting quarterback so coach good to be with you as always how are you
2: i'm doing great we just got off the practice field it's a little warm so uh our kids are inside in the ac now watching film but uh just just excited to get the season rolling you and i were talking before uh during your break just just how how fun it is to think about football season coming and and having football for the next five or six months
1: football has been in your blood for so many years as a player as a coordinator and now as a head coach just what is your perspective what is your excitement going into the start of a brand new season
2: Well, you know, I I think the most fun uh, thing about it early on is just seeing kids uh, experience uh, a Friday night atmosphere for the first time. Um, You know, the the guys that have been working hard, that have, you know, been freshman players, played in the JV, been scout players, and then they finally get their opportunity uh, to to be a uh, meaningful participant in a Friday night game. And so every year that that's really exciting you know I tell our kids all the time the reason that that I and, and other coaches do what we do is because we get to keep coming back you know they, they've got a short four-year window but the, the exciting thing for me is every year getting to see uh, how a new group kind of takes shape so uh, we're having fun and, and we're really excited
1: I want to ask you about the quarterback position because you had one heck of a player the last couple of years and Justin Fisher, who is now a part of the Notre Dame football program. And during last season, he got injured. So this other guy got some pretty good playing time and it's his younger brother, Brady Fisher. First off, similarities, differences between these two playing the quarterback position.
2: Well, I think the biggest similarity is, is they understand that uh, both of them have a good understanding of what we're trying to accomplish on offense. Uh, really intelligent kids. Um, th- their their differences. There's just a, a ton of them. Physically, they don't really look anything alike. Brady's six four. He's he's got really long legs. Uh, you know, he's got some uh, deceptive speed because he's you know he he looks so lanky when he's running. Um, you know, physically, Justin uh, probably a little bit stronger. But um, both really competitive. Uh, Brady just doesn't show his competitive side nearly as much. You know, Justin uh, was outwardly and visibly <laughs> competitive. Brady's a little bit more reserved. He, he and, and sometimes that's a good thing from a quarterback. He, he almost seems unflappable at times. But, you know, we're really excited about the opportunity that Brady has. I, I think, you know, uh, obviously we we would have, like liked Justin to not get hurt last season uh, during that stretch, but it ends up being a, a nice experience for Brady as, as he gets ready to take over.
1: I'm curious, Keith, just to build on what you just said there, can you do a little bit more with Brady Fisher this season based on the fact that he was a big part of your offense late last year?
2: Yeah, it, you know, the, the learning curve uh, doesn't have to start completely fresh you know so so typically when when we when we have we we have a quarterback graduate whoever replaces him kind of starts with a blank slate and we just go through and and reteach the entire thing um the the fact that he got those three weeks not not just the the friday nights but every practice rep every film session where Mm -hmm. he was being coached like those things are things that we've been able to expand on this year. And because of that, you know, we've got a really experienced offensive line coming back. We've got our fullback returning. We've got two halfbacks back. So because of that, like, we're able to be further along right now than we typically would be with a new starting quarterback.
1: I would imagine, Coach, on your business card, you've already added coach, a Notre Dame football player.
2: Well, I will tell <laughs> you that I – I've been a Notre Dame fan as long as I can remember. I have never once checked the Notre Dame football roster. Um, the first time I checked the roster and saw his name, uh, a little sense of pride kind of came over me. Awesome. Uh, and, then, and then when I checked back uh, a few days ago and saw that they had his picture with the, with the tie on, uh, mm. again, a little bit more pride. You, you check Irish Sports Daily, which I now subscribe to, never have before. I get a picture of him walking to practice in a Notre Dame uniform. So couldn't be more proud of him, more excited for him. I told him, you know, the, the first home game he gets to dress for, I will, I will figure out a way to be there. Um, so uh, he, he, he seems pretty busy, seems to be enjoying it. But uh, it, it's, it's been really neat uh, for, for him. It's been neat for our program and our community.
1: Keith Kinder, Mishawaka head football coach, my guest here on WSBT Radio. The Caveman and Marion will play on 96-1 the ton, our sister station, Friday night at 7 o'clock. You mentioned your offensive line. Coach, you've got a lot of experience coming back in that unit. And based on the offense you run, this has to make you feel pretty good about the start of the season.
2: You know, it really does. We've got every kid um, that is returning, every kid that will start for us uh, this Friday night um, and one of our backups has started at least in one football game in their career. Um, We've got two guys that have started um, over 30 games in their career. So we're we're really, really fortunate to have uh, the group that we have coming back. Um, It's allowed us to, like I said before, put more things in because – uh, at offensive line, um, with with what we do, learning responsibilities and, and assignments is a big challenge for offensive linemen. Um, so we're we're grateful that we've got the ability to have um, everybody back that's got Friday night experience and um, most importantly, really good football players. You know, sometimes uh, you know Bart used to always say this. Sometimes. A returning starter isn't necessarily a good thing. Uh, in this case, uh, a, a ret- our returning starters up front are good things. They're all good players, good kids, and they work
1: hard. When are you going to release the book with all the Bart Curtis sayings in it?
2: Well, I will tell you that when when I was his <laughs> office coordinator, um, I would be in the press box, and the Friday night uh, stuff was 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 a thing for uh, the ages we would we would write down things he said and at the end of the year at the Christmas party we would read them to him. seriously uh, that'll probably that'll probably oh yeah that'll probably stay uh, in my possession and not be released.
1: <laughs> okay, fair enough. Coach, talk about some of the skill position players that you have outside of the quarterback we talked about in Brady Fisher.
2: Well, offensively, um, returning is our, uh, our, our returning leading rusher, Chase Gooden, rusher over 1,000 yards last year as a junior. Um, it really turned it on at the end of the year. Had great games against Northwood, against Concord in the sectional game. Chaz Hardy uh, is, is back at one of our halfback positions. He's, he started every game uh, from about the middle of his sophomore year on. So we're talking about a three-year starter with him. Uh, Trey Thomas, the returning starter um, from the split end position, is actually our only two way player, along with Dawson Nowacki who will split some time. But Trey's going to start at corner and at split end for us, and we think that we have a really good uh, the, the potential. You know, we don't like to throw it a whole lot, but we like we like the potential that we have to throw the ball downfield. We actually completed a, a nice fade uh, Brady to to Trey in the scrimmage last Friday, so. Um, we, we feel like we've got some good threats uh, offensively and uh, have the potential that if we need to, we can throw the ball and challenge people you know, horizontally and vertically, which is what everybody's trying to do in football now.
1: So the Air Kinder t-shirts are going to be coming soon to Mishawaka High School?
2: Well, I would prefer if we didn't throw it at all, but I understand <laughs> there is a need. Huh. a need for it from time to time. The, the biggest thing for us is are we throwing – you know, what we talk about every Sunday, every off season is, are we throwing when we want to or when we have yeah. to? If we're throwing when we want to, I really like it. If we're throwing when we have to, something bad has happened. We've had a negative play because of a missed assignment or we've had a penalty. Those are the situations where we're in trouble. If we have to throw it, we're in trouble. If we want to throw it, typically we're in a good place.
1: So probably Keith Kinder, the high school quarterback, liked to throw it a whole lot more than Keith Kinder, the high school coach?
2: Absolutely. Uh, I remember uh, Coach coach Sharp, coach Sharp used to always tell us, and we probably only, when I played at Jimtown, probably eight to 12 times a game is a, is a fair number, but he always used to tell me there are three things that can happen when you throw the football and two of them are bad. So <laughs> that's kind of how I learned football. So we've we kind of stuck to that here.
1: I hope this isn't a stupid question, but just how complex your offense is. you got to get your defense ready for the upcoming season, and you're going to face a lot of different offenses, maybe not many like what you run. How do you get your defense ready for the start of the year when they have to go one-on-one against your offense sometimes in practice? It may not be what they see early on in the season.
2: Well I will tell you that if you have the answer to that I will hire you right now because it's something that we that we struggle with a lot. It's a really good question. It's something that we we struggle with for a number of reasons. Number 1, if we had spread type football players, we would probably play the spread offensively. So when mm-hmm. even when we try to give our defense a look as as hard as our kids are trying, it it's almost impossible to simulate. It's 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 virtually pointless for our ones and ones to go against each other because, like you said, our defense won't see our offense except for one week a year, and that's in the middle of the season this year. So what we've tried to do uh, this year and what we kind of liked was um, we've done some ones versus ones where for eight plays the Mishawaka offense will play against the Mishawaka defense, but the Mishawaka defense is, is being like the Marion scout team. And then we'll flip it around, where the, the number one Mishawaka offense is running Marion's stuff against our starting defense, and and we thought that that was the best way we could give them as good a look as possible. But we spent a lot of time this this summer focusing on us. You know, a lot of yeah. a lot of teams in the area in the state do the seven on sevens, and they travel and do competition days and stuff like that. We didn't do any of those things right you know. this summer. Uh, we chose to, to stay home, focus on us, get stronger, um, and, and learn how to play hard. And so, as a result, I think we are a little behind uh, on the defensive side of the ball. We've got a really good staff. We've got, we've got good players. Um, they just need that game experience. So, I'm really excited to see them this Friday.
1: I'm wondering how you prepare for the first game of the year. I know everybody plays a scrimmage. Do you guys – check out what Marion did in that scrimmage? Do you have a good idea who they always are from year to year? How do you tackle scouting and preparing for this Marion football team?
2: Well, week one is always the most stressful week just because of all the unknowns. Um, In terms of we've got probably 25 clips of Marion from the scrimmage that are are useful to Mm -hmm. watch. They've got pretty close to the same amount we know that they were very vanilla in the scrimmage and they know that we were very vanilla in the scrimmage, but we played each other so many times that, that we've got a good idea of how each team is going to attack the other. And, and so uh, that's what makes it a really good and fun opening game because we've got the opportunity. uh, Number one, it's going to make us better for the tournament. Number two, it's going to expose where we have to get better. Um, the, the the biggest concern always for me week week one is not not having a clear picture on special teams you know because i think special teams particularly early can change games in an instant and we've had no live special teams reps um mm. if we don't know necessarily they've had we this will be the fifth time we've played them in those Previous four games, they've they've kicked off three different ways. I don't know how they're going to line up Friday on kickoff, hmm. and that will keep me up all night because <laughs> oh. if they kick the ball in the right spot and we're not there, they may have the football. So those are the things that that really worry me. In the first game, are just things that you can't cover without film and live game experience.
1: I can relate to the stress you're talking about. I have the same stress trying to figure out who has the football with your offense because it's always hidden coach and you make it hard on the broadcasters we get gray hair early in our lives trying to figure out who's got the ball well
2: in my in in my pregame meeting with officials i always remind them to have a slower whistle um That's so right. that they don't get confused so maybe if you're calling one of our games you just try to have a slower call right? you know, you just <laughs> slow it down a little bit so you can get it right but you know <laughs> part of part of i think why we're most successful i you know you mentioned the you know hard you know the, the hard to see things but but i think the thing that has allowed us to be successful is if you watch any football anymore nobody is under center So we're under center, we are coming right at you, and we're going to move our kids play fast and they play low and they play physically. And that, you know, I was talking about how it's hard for us to replicate what someone does. It it is virtually impossible for a program to simulate our offense in a matter of three days. You know, it's something that we take a lot of pride in and take so much time. Installing, I think that gives us an advantage on the offensive side of the ball because nobody—you don't have to prepare for it very much anymore.
1: Yeah, very true. Well, coach, have some fun Friday night. Hopefully, you get some sleep between now and the kickoff as Mishawaka plays at Mishawaka Marion. I know you're going to have a big crowd out at Atoski Field for the game, and the ball game will be live on 96.1 The Ton. And hope you have a great year, coach. We'll catch up with you in a few weeks if you don't mind. All right. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me on. Coach, thank you so much. That is Mishawaka head football coach Keith Kinder, the caveman in the Knights, Friday night, 7 o'clock on one, The Ton. 638 at WSBT.